We spoke about dogs earlier. I think it would be nice to be a dog for a day. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rear the Grid. As always, I am your host, Matt, joined by a man whose checkbook must be in trouble because I don't think he got paid for this week's show. It's Jashan. Never eat a Woolies chook that's been left out on the counter for too long. That's worth the lid by. Oh, that makes you, yeah, okay. I'm with you. And uh, joining us, it is a man whose Daniel Ricardo prediction looks in increasingly dire straits. It's better. When, when am I going to get a chance to do these intros? Honest to God, it's been way too long. I've been holding this in for as long as I can, and I'm pissed. I want a chance. Next <laughs> next podcast, I want to do the intro. All right? Yo, yo, and yo, fuck yo, you. you know what? Next, next podcast. Fuck you, next, Hume. Next podcast. fuck Daniel okay. Ricciardo and fuck that McLaren. Fuck mate, them all. That's fine. That's fine, mate. You can you can do the intro. You can also do the whole host bit the entire way through. You can do all the segues. You can link all the things up. Go for it, mate. You can you can host when you uh, win trivia. <laughs> okay, well, I like that more. You can host when you beat me in trivia, mate. Well, raise the stakes. Yeah, fuck you, then. Um, the three musketeers become the two fucking that. wankers. How about that? How about that? <laughs> I quite enjoy our F2 podcast, so... Oh no sense. We need you according yeah. to Yeah. Validate me. This, Validate is, this intro me. has descended into uh, But no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me just... Grazie, grazie. Forza Ferrari. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. All right. On this week's show... We are getting to a surprisingly um, lengthy and sort of, uh, not heated, but very full-on debate about the merits of this new sprint race qualifying format that's being proposed for this year. Uh, We give you a bit of a cheeky, if somewhat half-hearted, preview of uh, this week's Portuguese Grand Prix. And then uh, Spencer and I get into another blood feud over trivia. Fuck you. And tune in to uh, see one man's soul crushed. Just absolutely crushed. All that and more on this week's episode of Rear of the Grid. Here we are back for another week, episode seven. I can see it says on Jashan's laptop screen rather helpfully. Um, in preview of, I guess, is it just called the Portuguese Grand Prix? Yeah, surely it's just called the Portuguese Grand Prix. Over at Portimao. That's just a Formula okay. One Heineken Grande Premier de Portugal 2021. Very nice. Not quite as good as um, last round, but still pretty good. Heineken's a shit beer, though. It is. Heineken's it's a terrible fridge, fucking beer. It's a terrible fucking beer. It's not that bad. Pretty bad. It's decent for a. It's decent for a. You know, not fancy beer. It tastes like fizzy water. <laughs> you drink gold. It really mate. does. Though. You drink fucking golds. Yeah, and golds are like fucking fifteen dollars cheaper a case. There's as much steak in a beer as there is a fucking wait no. 
There's as much protein in a beer as there is a fucking steak. All right? There's a steak in a beer. And um, Heineken's like a trashy rump, or a, a goal is obviously like a ribeye. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's how that works. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Brewed, enough, brewed um, locally. Um, enough beer talk. Right to get us off the bat before we um, get stuck in to a couple of juicy news stories and a preview of this weekend's race. Jashan, yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. What was significant about this Monday just gone? About this Monday just gone? Yes. It was a very special day. Hmm. I'd say probably at worst your fifth favorite day of the year. My fifth favorite, fifth favorite day, day of the of year. The year. Oh, I mean, this me. is me assuming you do like Christmas. I really don't know if you're a Christmas. Was it Lance, was it Lance Stroll's birthday? It wasn't Lance Stroll's birthday. Oh, then I'm completely but, uh, at a loss. Oh, but I mean, you're on the right track. I'm, I'm on the right track. You're very much on the was right track. Lauren Stroll's birthday. Was it Fiat's birthday? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Monday. <laughs> 26th of April, oh. to put a date on this podcast, was Daniil Kfiat's birthday. Oh, what a king. Um, what a king. So we missed out of recording on that day, which would have been rather magical. But uh, <laughs> I just thought, you know, we should put that out there. I thought you'd like that, as I said. Do you reckon I'm up, I'm up out on point there for your favourite day of the year? As the leader and the sole member of the Kfiat crew, uh, Danny Kfiat's <laughs> prime fan base, uh, probably third favourite day of the year. What did you What did you get him? Um, what did I get him? I sent him uh, a wave. Oh, yeah. Uh, three yep. DMs. Yeah. Yep. To respond. Three TS. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I feel like he probably sees that and feels supported by his. Uh, that's fair, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. it is. And he needs that through the. That still wants him in F1. Exactly. Through the low times. He'll, he'll be back. Don't worry. He definitely won't. Yes, he will. But uh, on to the big news story of the week. Um, you couldn't really miss it, but in case you have, that's what we're here for. Qualifying is changing next year, boys. So, from next season, they're going to trial in three different rounds, which are yet to be announced, a new qualification format that will see one practice session cut from the weekend. And in lieu of that, we'll now have a 60-minute practice session on Friday morning, followed by your standard qualifying Q1, Q2, Q3 on the Friday afternoon slash evening. That'll flow into Saturday, another 60-minute practice session, and then we're in to a 100-kilometer sprint race based off those qualifying positions, and the results of that sprint race will set the grid for the actual Grand Prix on the Sunday, and the top three in the sprint race will get three, two, and one point with the championship. Spencer. On a scale of the worst thing you've ever seen to one step below a nuclear holocaust, where would you grade this decision by Formula One? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for the holocaust because that sounded like the worst of the two. It did. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, why don't we just fucking let the drivers spray paint their cars before they go out there and fucking hold each other's hands and fucking just. Fucking have a little job. Why don't we just do a fuck? What? Just make it a fucking Ironman competition. And the first race they got to do in their gear, they got to run around to get into their cars. And then they got to switch over from their cars into a fucking boat. Hey, hey, in fairness, you say that jokingly, but I would actually, I, not as a substitute for Formula One, but I would 100% watch Formula One style Ironman. <laughs> but, um, it just, it's, it just it doesn't make sense on so many levels. And as someone, as you guys know, throughout last year's episodes of this podcast, I champion the fact that F1 should look to F2 for a number of tweaks to the sport to make it more competitive. At no point did I go, you know what, the thing they should take from F2 is sprint races because that works at the top level for what the format is. 
Because it's just, it just makes no sense. Like, it's not an actual championship. The sprint race would kind of work if it carried decent championship points and that. But the sprint race will barely affect the championship. I mean, obviously those points could add up if it's a close championship fight, but it's still fairly negligible. And all you're going to see is a situation is like, you know, like what incentive do you have to actually race someone hard in that sprint race if, if you, you know, you end up in the fence, well, A, at the very least, you're starting from the back in the feature, in the actual race that matters, or you're possibly entirely out of the weekend. Like, all the sprint race is going to do is mean that Nikita Mazepin will be the sprint race king because he's the only bloke who's going to be out there going 100% at it. And everyone else, the second someone's going side by side with Mazepin, they'll be like, well, I could race him and, you know, stay in front of Mazepin, which would be good for my image and sense of pride. Or, you know, I could just get out of the way because if I do race him, he'll probably put me in the fence. So uh, off you go, Nikita. And, you know, like, and is it, it's not even going to change the grid that much. Like, let's be real. The same guys are going to qualify at the front of the sprint race. All of six positions are going to change ever so much. Like, one bloke will move up a few spots. Someone at the front will end up crashing out, which will actually ruin the main race anyway. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton will still start from third at worst and win the race on Sunday. How is it going to change things? Yeah, it's not. It just, it, 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 it just makes zero. If it was in replacement of, that's it. At the very least, if you're going to do this, it has to be reverse grid. So it could mix things up. And so it's a case of, you know, it's reverse, well, let's see, it's reverse the grid Award the bonus points in qualifying so that there is an incentive to be fast in qualifying because you'll get points from it. And then you reverse the grid. And then it's a case of, hey, guys, you can't just, as a la kind of how Mercedes have done for a while now, and Red Bull as well, to some extent, back when they were dominant, you can't just build a car that's fucking fast out and cleaner when you're at the front. You're going to have to have a car that can come through traffic because if you qualify first, you start your qualifying race in last and you've got to carve through the field. And if your car's shit at that, you're still going to start the feature race in 17th. And then you're going to have to still do a carving through the field, which your car can't do. But otherwise, it's just Hamilton. Well, we're just going to have weekends where Hamilton qualifies on pole, wins the sprint race by 13 seconds because he's only got 100, and 100 kilometers to draw at the lap, and then rolls around on Sunday and wins by 34 seconds. And we're all just like, wow, that was exciting. Look at all that racing that still didn't happen. I just, what's the point? And because it's got no championship implications and it's not like qualifying is interesting because there is an unpredictability qualifying with one lap drama. But like, frankly, I've got very little more interest in watching a 100 kilometer meaningless sprint race than I do in watching fucking practice three, which is what's normally on in that time slot effectively, which is what it's replaced. So, like, I'm sure more people will watch it because you're casual fans. It's going to be like, oh, more actual race. But, like... Hey, I'm a casual fan and I'm excited. I'm keen to see how it goes. I don't think it'll be perfect. I think they need to make some tweaks. But um, I like the way they're trialing it. By the way, they're trialing them this year. So they were coming into Aspect this season. This season? I thought it was for next season, they said. Three races in 2021, which is this season. Because it is... Gee whiz. Yes, it's 2021. Have they suggested what weekends? No, but Ross Braun came out and said, you know, I'm not sure the format would be successful at Monaco. So they've, you know, they figured that part out. 
they want to think about it these weekends as like grand slam events spread throughout the season so it's something different so i assume that'll be you know typically more racier tracks i guess which you know makes sense it does but we still don't necessarily we see Silverstone and Monza. Yeah, that would be the yeah. two that I'd think. But for a large part, we see the raciness at those tracks where people have ended up out of position for different reasons. But yeah. Also, I just would like to be um difficulty. I'd like to point out to him that um quite often Grand Slam events actually aren't all that spread out through the season. You think about it like apart from the fact the Australian Open takes place right at the start of the year, you go pretty quickly from the French Open into Wimbledon into the US Open. And in golf I think they take place in consecutive months well, for the four, four months well, of the year. In tennis, well, there's four a year, so and they're trialing three a year. I, I don't think they will ever implement this as a full season thing. I think No. Well, to be honest, I imagine they'll run it this year. It will be pretty shit. And it, that, it'll disappear away. I think I, I think they're not going to give up on the idea. I think they will tweak it slightly, maybe more of like a reverse grid thing like they're doing it too. I just, I just don't think... I, it's just... This isn't what's broke. What annoys me the most is this isn't what's broke with Formula One. And it is... And I obviously... I get that casual fans is huge for the finances of these sports and things like that. But it's just... It's so infuriating watching sport after sport after sport pander to the casual fan, which means at the same time you're alienating the people who, you know, are going to stick with... Now, we're not... I'm saying, and we'll still stick... We will stick with you for the most part for a while. I mean, after enough of them, you give up. But you stick with them through stupid rule changes like this and that. But, like, you know, if some horrible... You know, if some massive cheating scandal or a couple of the drivers are outed as being really really like above Nikita Mazepin levels of awful blokes it's you know the, it's the more diehards like me and Spencer who are going to stick by the sport it's the casual fan who's going to go ah oh, bit sus on Formula One now just going to watch something else there was a poll up but, on the F1 you know, Instagram account you know just thoughts on the spring mm-hmm. qualifying weekend and 61% of people said it looks great 39% of people said it looks rubbish so definitely mixed results but mixed I results. think I would yeah. also argue, I reckon there's, you know, you probably got, as in there's a significant large number of casuals probably than there is hardcore yeah. fans. That's what I look, I, I think, you know, they'll trial this. I don't know if it'll work, but I, I think they should just tweak it slightly, like a reverse grid type thing. Like yeah, that's the thing. I, I just think if you bring in reverse grids, it's so much funny buggers. Like, why are you putting that in Formula One? Bit of just, entertainment, mate. Bit of racing entertainment. Come up with a better way to make entertainment. Like you're. Look, I'll watch this. I've not watched a single practice session in my yeah. season of watching, but I'll watch this. But like, that's the thing. Like, it's not organic, is it? It's not organic entertainment and good racing. It's. We'll see. But it's it's. I mean, well, it's something like that people have been thinking about for a long time. But it's okay. But like, if they if they tweak it to reverse grid, that's just not organic, is it? That's literally you've had to put the fast cars at the back. Mm. To make the racing interesting. Well, you, means, you love how it works in Formula 2 and Formula but 3. But Formula 2 is a different ballpark. It's a different thing, and it's a spec series and things like that. And in many ways, like Formula 1... Formula 2 is also, you know, its main purpose is, in theory, talent identification. Mm. So stuff like that, it works because you put drivers in different scenarios. How can they drive through the field? That's not, You don't need to identify that once you get to Formula 1. You just want the best of the best... Juke it out from the best spot and that. 
instead of doing silly things like, you know, possible reverse grids or qualifying sprint races, is just knuckle down and fucking figure out your rule book to <laughs> allow for, you know, cars that can race each other close and more comp- a more comp- just generally more competitive series. Let's say they ran qualifying and let's just focus on Q3. So your top 10 drivers, that gets reversed for the sprint race, but they still maintain their positions for your actual race. That's well, that's, okay. Then that's that's bringing in sprint race. That's a different that's yeah. a different kettle of fish to a qualifying race. I mean, that maybe, but like, I just again, I just don't think you need that extra race on the weekend for Formula One. Well, I think if they were going, I think if they're going to do it. That's that's what I'd like to see. I think that fair enough. I just, that takes you know, away seeing from Lewis Hamilton having to you know decide whether or not to risk it and run through the grid for some extra points, or whether he just plays plays it safe and kind of relaxes, adds some nice strategical elements to it but i agree with you like this just literally you know you, you you get on pole you sit at the front you just win and then you're at the front again for the final race does sit up a whole feels lot of like they're just throwing darts at a dartboard and waiting for something to stick but i just think they're they're looking at it in the wrong way like i think they're <clears throat> they're looking too much at how do we punish people for winning instead of how do we how do we make it more of an incentive if you aren't always winning? Because the the like, and even if they like Mercedes have proven, I mean, in particular, like Hamilton, like he can still get his way through the field. Like he did it last round, he did it at Monza. Like he's very capable and very able to do that. So I don't think it's really going to change anything. And no, like nobody's asking to see Lewis Hamilton in tenth position. We want Lewis up the front, but we want other cars there with him. Like one of the only redeeming qualities of this season so far is the fact that Red Bull have actually figured it out. And for so long, they've been the clear-cut number two team, but they may as well have been as far away from Mercedes as Haas have been to them. You know what I mean? Like it's They need to figure out a way where they make it so that teams like McLaren, Ferrari, Aston Martin, I mean, really, like, Avatar, really all of them, like, you want all of the teams with, except for maybe, like, two or three, with a genuine opportunity and a chance to win Grand Prix every week, that isn't from just complete fuckery happening um, throughout the race. Like, you actually want to see, like, a Ferrari on the front row of the grid. And you want it to be like, oh, like, they've got a really good power unit or they've got a really good aero for this track, so Ferrari are really going to be the powerful car here. Like, all it's really been for the last three or four years is who's going to beat Hamilton. And I just, I agree with Hume. I don't think that this change is going to really do any of that. It's just going to, I think, highlight how much further ahead Mercedes are when they do just start going through the field. I don't think reverse grid, because, yeah, that's the thing. Like, what makes it, what's... And obviously, I want to see cars passing cars, but I want to see, like... That's the thing. I don't just want to see overtakes. I want to see that thing, because if Hamilton's coming from the back, he's not, until he gets to the last few spots, sure, it's not like we're going to have an amazing side-by-side for seven corners battle between Lewis Hamilton and Nikita Mazepin. It's going to be, all right, Hamilton's closed up to Mazepin. Zoom, and he's passed. Well, again, I was saying Q3 reverse. That's, so Nikita Mazepin doesn't play but even, but even if you reverse the top 10, I mean, if but take the cars as they are right now. I reckon if you reverse that top 10, if it's not a track like Imola, where it's notoriously hard to overtake, and yes, mm. we saw it took Hamilton a few laps to get by both Charles, but it wasn't like he was going side by side. He was just stuck single far behind them, 
and then eventually you got a good enough run onto the start finish straight to get them in the DRS. You also have to remember this is in lieu of the new regs coming in, which would in theory yes. equalize well, a lot of these. But then the thing, if if they're equalized, the if they're, if the they're equalized, we don't need this. They're True. already and then because that's but, the thing. it throws up different scenarios rather but, than you know the top two cars like a Hamilton Verstappen just racing each other for the win every. Single but you don't time. need that because then that's the thing. It also ruins that from that this point on. Once you bring something like this in. You can, and I'm not trying to be like, oh, but like, you can then never compare formula. Like, it's already hard enough with a different bit. If this change happens or something, from this point on, you cannot compare Formula One to any of the previous Formula One seasons that happened. You, it's impossible to compare Max Verstappen's 2027 season win when there was, you know, an extra race in there, a reverse grid qualifying race thing or something like that, to Sebastian Vettel's 2011 season win because. When Sebastian Vettel did it, it was just standard motorsport. You qualify. If you qualify at the front, you start at the front, you drive the race. Whereas, you know, in this, you get all manner of weird jumbled up throwing things and that and things. And you see, you're still going to have the same outcome. Because take, take two races and that. Like, and I'm, I'm not saying, like, obviously I enjoyed, on the whole, I enjoyed Turkey more than I did Oh, Turkey last year more than Bahrain this year. Although they're both, but the thing is, like, that's the thing. The, the thing that gets me at the end of that, it's obviously like, no matter how the race goes, if Lewis Hamilton wins, I have this incredible deflating feeling. But the difference is, so like, Turkey last year, first half of that race, the reason that was such a good race is because the first half of Turkey was genuinely one of the best halves of a Grand Prix I've ever seen. It was so great. From about the halfway mark, Hamilton, we saw Hamilton eventually carved his way through everyone took half the race to get to the front and then checked out and won by 30 seconds. And for half that race, you were just having that feeling of, ah, Lewis has won again. Bahrain, you didn't get the, ah, Lewis has won again feeling till two laps to go when you're like, ah, Max isn't closing this gap down again. But for, what, 57 of the 60 laps or whatever it was, you didn't know who was going to win. That's what, And that's the thing, this won't change that. You're still going to watch Hamilton... If Hamilton has to start 12th, he'll just... Unless, unless Hamilton had to start 12th and somehow because of these shenanigans, Max has rolled out of it on pole and then, yes, maybe Lewis... But then that ruins it anyway because then, you know, we don't get to see Max and Lewis racing. But if Max and Lewis start 11th and 12th or whatever, you know, in theory, how good the Merck in theory is in that, and obviously the Red Bull's closer this year, but you're just going to... What you're going to see, you're just going to see Hamilton drive past everyone and it takes him 20 laps to get to the front as he, you know, every time he has to take a couple of times in a DRS zone to get past some people and then he gets to the front and he checks out and then maybe eventually Max works his way to second or because the Red Bull's not as good in a straight line, Max doesn't get us by the front, he gets stuck in fourth. But it wasn't that, we didn't see anyone go side by side, we just saw Lewis DRS people for 20 laps and then drive away and win by 40 seconds. How's that exciting? Still the same thing, it's just Lewis started 12th and we saw lots of pointless overtakes. It's not going to make for better racing. Overtakes aren't good racing necessarily. They need to be looking at the cars. Um, all the drivers say how difficult it is to overtake in dirty air. Figure that figure that out first. Like, you know, make that problem go away. And then if those problems are still persisting after that change, after the regulations, then look at these gimmicky things. Because, yeah, just keep the gimmicks as far away as possible. It's a sport that's got almost 100 years of history to it. And there are just certain things to me where if this is supposed to be the pinnacle of sport, like you said, if you qualify first, you shouldn't be punished. 
it's just that simple. Like if you're the fastest car on the on, in qualifying, you should be on the front row of the grid. Well, that in this this system, that is what that is what's happening. Oh, I know, but why are we why are we overcomplicating it? Why is it not just you qualified on the front, you get to start the, the actual race that matters in first? It's you qualified pole. Now you have a hundred kilometers of hoping someone doesn't lock up a braking to turn one of the race and take you out. Because that's like what what happens here. What happens if, let's say hypothetically. Someone like Pierre or Yuki or someone who we've seen, have, or George, have flashes of brilliance or something and put in a worldy lap where they just they genuinely nail it for 13 corners, or mm. sorry, 20 corners, however long the lap is, and they somehow sneak away pole. And we're all like, holy shit. And then in turn three, or lap one of the qualifying race, Charles Leclerc fucks up and T-bones them. And now after this, one of the greatest qualifying laps we've ever seen... Pierre Gasly is still starting 20th. Wouldn't it be more fun? And obviously, Charles could fucking spear him in the actual Grand Prix, but at least then that's the actual Grand Prix. How much would it suck to see something like that happen and then after it all shakes out? Or just his fucking engine goes. What happens here is a gearbox failure halfway through this qualifying race and now he's down the back again. It's just overcomplicating something that wasn't... Like, the weekend race structure, the actual qualifying race structure wasn't what was broken. Maybe having too much practice, sure, but we're taking a part of the structure of Formula 1 that wasn't broke and decided to fix it rather than fixing what is very clearly broken, which is the competitive of the cars being able to race side by side and close to each other. Like, you know, we just think that's the thing. Because DRS in itself, DRS is a gimmick. Urs is a gimmick. Well, again, they're, fi- they're in theory fixing the cars from next year moving forward. I know, but this is why are we not just waiting till then, as Spencer yeah, said, and then enough. we'll see. And then if that's still not worked, then maybe we try another gimmick. But, like, I, whatever. I don't know. I just think it's, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's that, but I was just having watched some, a few other categories of different sports and motorsports start doing these kinds of things and just boiling it down and make it a more mainstream style thing. And you just, uh, you just water down and ruin your sport. And I always say it happened to Formula One. But uh, moving on, mm. having spent probably quite a bit of time on that. Um, big story. It is. Uh, Jashan, I believe you've got a couple of other news stories from throughout the week to hit us with. Yeah, I've got a couple of Red Bull stories slash theoreticals. So Red Bull have begun developing their new engine department, Red Bull Powertrains, and they have signed Ben Hodgkinson as their new technical director. Hodgkinson had previously spent 20 years at Mercedes, working his way up to head of mechanical engineering for their engine division, notably the engine division that has consistently pumped out the best product for, what, nearly a decade? How long is this? Just over half a decade. Yeah, no, it has been nearly a decade. It was like, yeah, yeah, carry on. Yeah. So that's a big coup for Red Bull. What they'll be using Honda technology until twenty twenty four. I do love big coups. From then on, they'll be totally producing their own engines from twenty twenty five odd ones, and you love to see that. And I think I've been reading some Will Buxton articles. God forbid. And Will Buxton made the point that uh, at Imola in two thousand and five, the San Marino Grand Prix. That is a race where Fernando Alonso fended off Michael Schumacher's Ferrari to win the race. And a lot of people and pundits see that as like a passing of the torch kind of race from Michael to Fernando. And you could argue that happened at the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix from Hamilton to Verstappen with Verstappen's dominant win there. Are Red Bull favourites to dominate this new era, given all the positive momentum they've got right now? No. No? No. It's a no-no? No. 
Mm. I don't necessarily. I mean, well, sorry, no. I mean, Mercedes are the inherent. I don't necessarily think Mercedes are five star favorites because what we've we've already seen a change. Let's um, think next year will be a small one, and then when the engine rates change in twenty twenty five. So over the next sort of three seasons after this, where we see the full transition in regulations, we've seen before when a, when whole Formula One has a wholesale technical change to it, it can completely mix things up. And because it wasn't like we saw glimmers of Mercedes, I mean they they did finally bag a couple of wins, but we weren't seeing glimmers of Mercedes up until the hybrid era, where we were like, yeah, Mercedes are the ones that are going to come out and nail the hybrid. And that Red Bull was still absolutely the most dominant car on the grid. Okay. Mercedes was probably well back then. We, um, I know they picked up a couple of wins in I think the last season or maybe two before the hybrid era spent. but they were probably still behind what Red Bull, Ferrari, and McLaren at best fourth best team on the grid. Probably probably not that far ahead of Renault either, to be honest, or Lotus as it might have been back then. Like, and then they just nailed. Obviously, that's it. They'd been away in their you know little German cave tech set of things, nailing that engine, the hybrid era came in. Mercedes, Mercedes just... operate out of a German cave. Mate, Batman operates out of a cave, but it's not It's not a lame cave, is it? Fair enough. Um, yeah, so I, that's the thing. I, I bet I think, I'm going to figure Spencer will agree, but like, you've got to give Mercedes the favourites to dominate this but Mercedes have been losing prominent staff members like fucking... They have been. Like, you know, established... Well-renowned we've seen, people. We've seen people, you know. And all that contract bullshit in the off-season of, you know, Lewis Hamilton. You've got bloody Spencer's theory that they're becoming Aston Martin soon. With all that going on, they can't be, you know. But the thing, see, that affects things at the front and that can affect outcome, possibly, you know, performance at the track itself. But I don't think that has that big of an implication on ballots going on back at the factory, back at the facilities, developing the cars for the new era and stuff. And even with that, that's a thing. Well, I think okay. the same, they've, the same, they've taken a guy who was literally in charge of developing that engine and they've signed him to it. Like, I don't think this is the first time we've seen a major player in Mercedes get poached by another team. Fair. And it's not stopped them before. I just think that's a thing. I don't. It's not like I'm certainly not sitting here like, oh, well, it's going to be nowhere close. But I think Mercedes are the favourites to be the dominant force of the next era of Formula 1 mm. until proven otherwise. Fair enough. They've they've earned the right to go into it as the de facto benefit of the doubt favorite. And uh, do you would you agree with that, Spencer? Um, like I, I don't agree with the with the Mercedes like, like I, I don't like I don't think it'll be Red Bull because I think it'll be too many of the top teams will be vying for that spot. I think Mercedes will get rung down a couple of pegs because. The F1 don't want another repeat of what's been happening since the RB6 or the RB5, where it was four years of Red Bull, and then we had, what, one year of um, one year of Ferrari. Was it Ferrari in between Red Bull? Was there even a change between those two? I mean, Ferrari looked good, but it, no, it was straight no, from Red straight, Bull to Mercedes yeah. Championships. And if you want to go back yeah. even more, like, you know... There was those few years at the back end of the 2000s between Ferrari to getting to Red Bull. But, you know, there was two years of Renault, one of McLaren, another of Ferrari. But before that, we had five years of Ferrari, too. So. Yeah, and it's... I, 
there'll be somebody that'll come out and they'll just absolutely knock it out of the park. But my tip at the moment is going to be McLaren because they're the only team that appears up in that top spot at the moment that have had to deal with a low budget in the last five to ten years of their existence. And I think there's just going to be a little bit of a a shuffling out process that's going to see some teams really struggle to work with what they've got. And for Red Bull as well, like, yeah, like getting, getting anybody from Mercedes, particularly one that was so prominent in the designing of the engine is a massive, um, a massive coup, but Red Bull have never had to deal with their engines before. So that's now a whole nother different side of F1, like manufacturing or constructing that they're now going to have to be at the front of that normally was just handled by Renault or by Honda, but now it's being done by them. So I wouldn't immediately put them up to the front because we still, we don't know what Red Bull are going to be like when they've actually got to deal with everything with the car. And it could work well for them because now they know exactly what's going into their car and how to make it work. But then there's also going to be some teething problems, I think, of actually how do we, how do we spend that time? How do we spend the resources? How are these new token systems going to work for or against us? So that being said, I think it really just depends on where Lewis and Max are heading into the new regulations going forward because I think those two are the mm-hmm. creme de la creme F1 drivers at the moment. And I think whoever they sign for is going to have given them a pitch that they know is going to mean that they can win more championships or they're just going to take a car to one. I like that idea of McLaren are used to working on a budget and all these teams. Like, we saw Toto Wolff when he was talking about the Bottas-Russell crash. The main reason he was annoyed was because they had to ride off a car and, you know, the cost that is associated with. Like, he's already stressing out about the cost caps. And, you know, the cost cap is only getting more and more restrictive as these years yeah. go on. So. I will say, so I've just done a bit of digging into the history of Formula 1. And it is interesting. Obviously, the difference is Mercedes. Mercedes have been coming out on top, and it's the way they've come out on top. But if you go back to, well, for these purposes, if you go back to 1998, since 1998, only, I mean, Mr. Chester, that's one, two, three, four, five... So three. So only five. I think five teams. Yeah, five teams since nineteen ninety eight have won the the drivers world championship. Being McLaren, Ferrari, because we have two years of McLaren, five years of Ferrari, two years of Renault, Ferrari, McLaren, Braun coming in there as number four. So sorry, it's six teams, and then Red Bull won four, and then Mercedes. And, I mean, if you go extend that even back further, before that, there was a lot of Williams and there was a lot of McLaren. Actually, if you go back to 19... In terms of constructors, if you go back to 1986... Well, actually, sorry, we'll go... I mean, if you go back all the way, basically, let's go back to the first time I can see a McLaren winning the title. So if you go back to 1974, since 1974, only one, two... Three, four. It's only like eight. I think there's only been about eight different constructors champions and stuff. And a lot of them have been weird, flukish one-offs. Like Braun won one, Benetton won one, Lotus won one. Otherwise, it's been McLaren, Ferrari, Williams, back to Ferrari, back to McLaren, back to a real dominant period for Williams and McLaren, Ferrari. Those two years of Renault. Back to Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes. So, you know, 
I tell you, this is kind of how Formula One works. The difference is, and as someone who I can speak of the era of Red Bull and the era of Mercedes, and this is what I've always harped back on about. I won't talk about anything before that because I wasn't watching. When Red Bull won their championships, there was at least a feeling, whilst we could tell that, yeah, for the most part, Red Bull had the best car, there was at least a feeling that more so than without flukish circumstances, just given the right circumstances, and you saw those... And there was a bigger margin of what was the right circumstances. So at least half the races in the season, probably more, someone could beat them. As I've said, Sebastian Vettel won two. Well, that's the thing. So while they might have easily been the most dominant constructor in terms of that, let's think. Sebastian Vettel won two championships on, I think, at the very least, the last race of the season, or at least the very the last couple of races. And neither of them was from his teammate. Because obviously Hamilton won and Rosberg each won one in the last race of the season, I believe, but it was to beat the other person. We've had that to think. We had years in that Red Bull era. That's what's been this Mercedes era. It's just been Mercedes and no one's been close. Bring back, that's, you know what? That's something that should come back. Fucking bring back the tire wars. The tire wars. They used to be more than, you used to be able to pick. Well, uh, there used to be multiple manufacturers. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't necessarily think that's ever going to be someone because brands like market exclusivity and yeah. take that. But, you know, we used to have it. That's where um, it doesn't have to be in the pot, picking that. But that's where for you, if you've I don't know whether you've ever heard of, or maybe you've seen that. The I think it's two thousand and five Indianapolis, the U.S. Grand Prix, and only six cars raced. Oh yeah, because it was all the Michelin runners, the way the track was, because it was obviously on the Indianapolis road course, so it had half half with like half the oval, half an internal road course, and has the banky and that. Oh yeah, and um, the Michelin. I'm pretty sure it was the Michelins were um, like suffering catastrophic failure through yeah. the bank is one of the things. And so they wanted, I think the Michelin runners wanted a chicane put in or something to slow it down so that wasn't that same stress. And maybe the Bridgestone runners were like, oh, no, nah, or FA was like, no. Nah. So the Michelin runners all just agreed. We won't partake then. So like, seeing they all look right up on the grid. They all came around and then literally every car, both cars from every team, barring Ferrari right at the front and then Minardi and... I might have been like arrows or something. One of the other absolute shit runners um, peeled off. So the six Bridgestone cars, so you had the two Ferraris and then like t- six empty rows of that. And so, yeah, so you had the Ferraris run away for the easiest one to ever. And then you had, I can't remember, I think Minardi got a podium. And Minardi's possibly the shittest team beyond, <laughs> beyond sorry, beyond the beyond the uh, holy trinity from the start of the 2010s of Lotus, well, yeah, Lotus slash Caterham. Mm. Um, Virgin slash Marussia and HRT. Minardi, one of the worst teams ever. And um, yeah, and it was an absolute farce. And it was it was what it was considered what killed F1 in America up until obviously oh, Austin yeah. came back in. But um like the tires the same the tire was some teams are on different compounds of tires. There'd be some compounds of tires that might work better in some tracks in certain conditions than that. I'd, I'd I'd be keen to see some Michelin that's action. A, Me and oh, the Michelin man go way back. Michelin, that's fair, that's fair. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate it. Like surely that, like, I don't just, like surely that comes up before like reverse grid and sprint qualifying races. Is just to have two different tire manufacturers that make the tires differently and they work in different conditions. And you know, you'll have some teams that run the tire that works good in this, and some that runs the tires that work good in that. Yeah, the similarities between that race in two thousand and five and this year's Emilia Romagna Grand Prix are actually quite outstanding you know max is 23 years old and lewis is 36 the exact same age as fernando and michael were at the uh, aforementioned race um a young 
British hotshot stood third on both podiums. Lando this year, Jensen Button in 2005. Oh, he wasn't both... that young and hotshotty by 2005. Oh, he was youngish. He'd been there for like six years, mate. Hey, if Buxton says he's a hotshot, he's a hotshot, all right? Buxton is uh... If Buxton says water is wet, I'd start to question whether or not water was actually wet. <laughs> in both years, a world champion finished exactly a minute behind the race winner, Alonso this year, and Jacques Villeneuve in 2005. What's interesting to me is, of that 2005 field, only two other drivers went on to win championships, counting out people who had already won championships previously, which were Button and Kimi. You know, you had guys like Truly, Fisichella, Coulthard, Sato, they would all retire soon, and Barrichello and Nick Heidfeld never quite got it done. I mean, Truly was never anywhere near a world championship. Mate, it's really insane. two-time Indy um, Indy 500 champ, but... uh, Vettel, Hamilton, and Rosberg, the three men who racked up 12 of the next 16 championships, hadn't even debuted yet. But if we follow this hypothetical, right, Max Verstappen is Fernando Alonso, and he'll go on to win you know, a couple championships, but only two other drivers in the current grid will also go on to win championships. I see. This is your hypothetical. This is the hypothetical. Who are the two in the grid that you've got, Matthew Hume? George and Charles. George and Charles? Yep. George and Charles Leclerc? Yes. I think it's more than two, but if I had to pick two, George and Charles. Mm, just based on talent? I think George is the most talented and he's, in theory, got the best situation to go to. And after that, I think Charles is the most talented. Yeah. And with age on his side. I think Daniel could... Daniel, I still think, could be more talented than all of them, but Daniel's going to run out of time. Wow. So by a com- combination of talent and situation... Um, I no think thoughts for Lando? Lando's probably the next one up. Mm-hmm. But again, I think George is better and I think Charles is better. And George has definitely got a better situation and Charles is... Just really fucking good. He's pretty fucking good. Like Charles, Charles has winning a world title that he had no right to win. Written all over. <laughs> what about you, Spence? Who are the two you'd pick? Lando and Charles. There you go. Lando and Charles. I'm the same. I go Lando and Charles. I think those two. Like you were saying with the McLaren thing, I think they're set up nicely to be strong in the next era. Definitely. And they've obviously got they've got their tickets on, or you know they've bought all their tickets for Lando mm-hmm. Norris. And um, well, I do agree, and I'm I'm with him. Like my my third, um, like I could see Carlos in another, you know, getting a potential world championship win. I could see Daniel doing it as well. Yuki, but yeah. There's just something about yeah. There's just a different like Charles more so than Lando at the moment. But Lando just has the ability where he's kind of just like he's so prominent now. But he like until up until last year, like when he got that shock podium, nobody was really like buying into the Lando hype too much. It was just that he had a good rookie season. And he was looking to build on it. And I think as the, the McLaren car gets better, the podiums are going to become less surprising and it's, you know, it's when he's not finishing in the top four that it's going to be like, oh, shit, Lando's had a bad weekend. Like, he's just a very, very good driver. I think for how young he is, people don't give him enough credit for how well he knows the car. But then fucking Charles is like him, but just like, you know, two or three years further yeah. in his development than what Lando is. And Lando's ahead as well, but Charles is just on another fucking level. Like, he, that stupid cliche of like, oh, he already drives like a veteran. But he does, and he proved it because last year he was the only thing keeping Ferrari slightly mm-hmm. fucking relevant and gave him a lot of good data for their cars this year. And now we've seen Carlos be able to move into that situation and do really well. That's one well, of those so. things, I think, 
So yeah, just like yeah. I mean, as I said, I think there's a whole host of other guys. I see. I I don't know if they are, but I wouldn't be surprised if more than um to like three other people and this group being Verstappen and the two others go on to win world titles at some point. But like, just yeah, for me, it's like that's the thing. I Lando probably would have been my third, and that that's because I just think George and Lando have the two best position sort of spots for it. George seems the heir apparent to Mercedes that even if it's not as dominant, we still think we'll be right up there. And McLaren really does just seem to be a team on an upwards trajectory. And then it's just, I just, just I, there's just something about Charles, just ch- everything about Charles just screams world champion. He will be a world champion. I don't know how it will get done, but just Charles will, I reckon Charles screams world champion more than Max. And I'm willing to, fucking put that out there as a statement I've said we've avoid. I think both of them win a world title at some point but I think Charles if you know if you've said to me only put a gun to my head and said only one of them's gonna win which one are you putting your money on oh, I think sure. I'll take Charles but Max is winning this year what are you talking about <laughs> true true which yeah. so I'm in trouble I'm getting shot in the head <laughs> yeah. but you know we're going against his own prediction but it could I like that as a hypothetical that was bad, actually yeah. that was interesting that was a good depth to it thank you I do my work Buxton was on an absolute tear. He made some comparisons. He reckons Bottas is the modern Barrichello. Well regarded. That is so disrespectful to Rubens Barrichello. How dare he? Wow. Yeah. I, I like Bottas, but wow. He also uh, considers Sergio Perez the modern Mark Webber. Although you would have hated Barrichello. You would have spent every single week being like, Rubens Barrichello, massive cock. Okay. <laughs> and he asked a question Is Ricardo Wait who's the modern Mark Webber? Perez Solid dependable But when given the shot Against the young superstar Ultimately destined to fall Under the young driver's shadow It's is... So Verstappen's also Vettel In this analogy? I believe so yes So he's Alonso and Vettel Yes <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Fair enough. Buxton's on fire, mate. But yeah, that's the end of my hypothetical yeah. experiment. Oh, so we do. We are we just going to uh, draw the entire grid to their twenty uh, two thousand and five comparisons. <laughs> we could. <laughs> we could do that. Who's Fair the enough. truly train? Who's the modern truly train? Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll. That's so hard. Ah, probably Vettel. Actually, oh, yeah, right probably now Vettel. Vettel. Vettel or like Ocon. Mm. Uh, anyway, let's let's move it on. So, um, have you got any more news stories before we get into um, a race preview? Kevin Magnussen and Jan Mag, or Jan Magnussen. Jan Magnussen. Yeah, Jan will be forming a father-son lineup to race Le Mans twenty twenty-one in an LMP class Eureka for high-class racing. Fulfilling nice. a long-term dream for the two Danes. So it's good to see K-Mag getting out there and having oh, some fun. Absolutely, absolutely. Spencer, have you any... Yes, I'm I'm really glad that a guy that had financial backing from the age of six to drive cars is now finding his feet again. <laughs> My fucking violin is fucking harping for him right now. Good uh, God. Hey, he's got a sick beard. Um, I was just say, Spencer, any, any news stories that um, hit your radar that we haven't mentioned? Outside of Daniel Ricciardo saying that he didn't underestimate the um, the difficulty in switching to McLaren, um, there wasn't really anything that got me <coughs> really going. Um, although that did scare me because he's um, if my tip's going to be right, he's really going to have to pull his gonna fucking have finger out of his of the ass pretty soon. Greatest second half of the season we've ever seen. 
Oh, you said in about four or five races, time is going to figure it out. Yeah. Well, in which case, same, just before same. we get to um, season preview, another quick edition of Roman Grosjean Watch. So mm. round two, race two, whatever, of the IndyCar season this week in St. Petersburg, Florida, which is a street circuit. It's a, it's a good, little, good little traditional home of IndyCar. Bit of a quieter weekend for Grosjean. Both he, I mean, all the rookies had a real rough one, both, both he and the other main rookie, McLaughlin, um, failed to make it through that first step of qualifying and started a fair way back. They both were able to move forward. Grosjean started 18th, finished 13th. Um, so yeah, fairly fairly quiet race for him. There wasn't too much to say, but Banks a few more solid points. And I believe if I can figure out where on earth I go to have a look at the jet, the driver's standings, Grosjean sits 14th on 37 points. That man's got work to do. Which has him, but he's, he's, he's still, he's two points ahead of fellow rookie Scott McLaughlin. Yeah. Which is, you know, the big goal for him with that. And he's all massive 18 points ahead of uh, the other rookie, Jimmy Johnson, who is not last in the championship. And that has blown my mind because he is awful. Is Jimmy Johnson American? He sounds American. Yes. He's a seven-time NASCAR champion. He's, oh. he's genuinely one of motorsports all-time greats, but he's also 45 and has basically Oof. transitioned to IndyCar to fill a boyhood dream and um, be a big marketing Oh, like Jordan going for... to baseball. I guess so, yeah. Okay. That's and it's, you know, he always wanted to do IndyCar, and that's the thing. He's a big enough name, particularly in America, that it's just good. It's, you know... It's a, it's a good brand value for mm. Ganassi Racing, who he's joined. Otherwise, you know, he's he's not good. He's not good enough. And he'll never get up to speed because he's too old. But, uh, yeah, so Roman Grosjean, he's getting there. We'll see. Um, you know, could still be some race wins in the future. See if he can get some top tens, top fives as the season builds on. On to this weekend's Grand Prix. Back to Portimao for the Portuguese Grand Prix. And I don't know if the Spencer's still got it sitting in front of him, but it has some fandangled name that was something to do with Heineken. Formula One Heineken Grande Premiero de Portugal 23. Portugal <laughs> 2021. And, um, right. It was a all right race last year. Wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was shit. <laughs> yeah, to be honest, he's right. It was... I think people talked way more fondly about Portugal than it ever deserved. It had... Three cars finished on the lead It had lap. a really... Bottas down 25 seconds. Yeah. Verstappen down 35. Leclerc, sorry, down 65.3 seconds. Pierre Gasly in fifth was lapped. <clears throat> the opening lap was brilliant. We saw Kimi Raikkonen pass pretty much the entire field. Carlos Sainz turned his tyres on a million times quicker than that and he got past both the Mercs in the first few turns and we were all losing our minds and about two laps later he was back to third and mm. finished sixth. Yep. Um, Raikkonen, yep. obviously, after that worldy lap that saw him like sixth, finished 11th, one lap down. He started on the softs, um, I think was the thing. So, yeah, he had an awesome start but then his tyres just fell off the fucking like cliff. It was like he was teasing rain for a, for a while at the start there. So I think it was yeah. loosely damp, which yep. is also why that's a thing. So softs were even bigger advantage because it was a sort of really cold track, so the softs could get up, but it was harder to get those hard tyres up to temperature. Uh, Sebastian Vettel actually scored points in this one. He got one point. Sorry, there was that turn where, like at the end of the, like at the end of the track, where it looked like it was going to rain, and they had that angle that looked like it every time. And then as it fucking the lap went on, you just saw the rain just moving further and further away. And I think it was around lap twenty five or thirty 
where I think um, Crofty was just like sacked. He's like, oh, well, there's no rain now. Like, this is the race. This is it. No, nah, when Carl Sainz passed Mercedes, Crofty dropped uh, one of the most hypest, one of the most hypest, one of the hypest pieces of commentary I've ever heard. Sainz passes the Mercedes and it is starting to rain. And at that moment, I thought, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's go. And then it just never rained. Yes, well, um, that doesn't sound like Crofty at all. It is starting to rain. Um, this was the race where Lance Stroll got sent to the Shadow Realm at turn one, wasn't it? I'm trying to think who he tangled with. Because he tangled with, didn't he tangle? Lando. Because he tangled, didn't he? Ta- he tangled with someone in practice as well, didn't he? Max. Yeah. And then yeah. he, Max said the Mong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And got in trouble. Indeed. Yes, this was this one. Because um, I was going to say, because I can just see Stroll down here with a no classification in last, having completed only 51 laps. I was like, but who... Who disposed of it? Was our boy Lando Norris? Mm. Probably why Lando was only 13th in the end after starting fourth. Mm. Sorry, no, he's car number four. My bad. Um, yeah, so... You fucking idiot. I, <laughs> I can't say I am particularly hyped for this weekend. It could be a little bit better because Red Bull is a little bit more competitive. Hopefully Max won't be 34 seconds behind Lewis. Maybe he'll even be ahead of him. But um, I can't say I've got... Yes, I'm super excited to... And then again, I didn't have yes, I'm super excited to stay up for this race um, vibes last round either. And Imola was decent. So who knows? But uh, I was going to say, Spencer, are you particularly excited for this one? Um, like I'm not particularly excited for the race because only going off last year, it didn't really lend itself to fun racing. But I will say I did find it quite interesting that Toto came out and said that... Um, the all the rivals handed Mercedes a get out of jail free card by letting them lead both championships after the schmozzle that was the previous race. And I can see a little bit of pressure and tension building up in Mercedes. And it's not just Red Bull. Like Red Bull have been doing fantastically, but Ferrari are only going to keep getting better. Um, they've seemed to have really nailed down the, um, the changes over the off season that they needed. And McLaren are looking spanking hot with Ricardo still figuring out his car and then if Alpha Tauri can just get even a fucking half a sniff of luck just half a sniff not even a full sniff they haven't even got half of it they're going to be going good as well Aston Martin same thing they've been even getting less than half a sniff and the biggest fucking elephant in the room right now is when will Checo finally mm. exercise the demons that are that number two Red Bull car so I think this race is going to have a very similar feel to, I think, the first two, where it's going to be Max and Lewis sort of fighting it out. But I'm I'm hoping that there's a little bit more of them tussling a teensy bit more, because I guess with Bahrain, like, the undercut didn't really give us the, you know, close battles we would have hoped for. Then, obviously, Hamilton, um, or Max's pace at the start, let's not split hairs here, his pace at the start of the race was fucking phenomenal. And then Hamilton obviously binned the fucking thing at um, turn... Seven, I think. Is that the hairpin? Any which way. I just want to see the two Mercedes and the two Red Bulls just going at it. Like, I want them both up there. I want Bottas. I want Perez. I want Verstappen. I want Hamilton. All in the top four in qualifying. And I want them to actually have to do something like an, a proper old school top two constructors battle for the whole race. And that's what I'm most excited for. And then I want to see what's going on with McLaren and Ferrari. Because at the start of the season, I was much higher on... F- McLaren than I was Ferrari in fact I had Ferrari finishing much much lower than McLaren could even sniff so that's going to be interesting as well so we've got 
the top two teams, the top two of the rest, and then we've got a few teams that are just sort of middling about trying to figure things out. One of them through AlphaTauri, no fault of their own, and then will Aston Martin actually figure out what the fuck is going on with their package at the moment? So, look, for the race itself, like, I'm not, you know, this isn't like a Monaco or a Monza or a Silverstone or, an, you know, a Melbourne Greek GP for me, but the ramifications that this round will have, I think, is going to be really awesome because there's still so many questions that we're trying to get answered that I think even last year by round two were already pretty clear-cut with Red Bull's horrible start and Mercedes just dominating in the first two races as they did. Yeah, shout. It's worth noting that Paul DeMau was the race last year that saw Lewis grab the record for the most race wins of all time, surpassing Michael's record of 91. I think... Uh, he can get to 100 poles this weekend, can't he? I believe so, yeah. yeah Fire, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think yeah. all the talk is Verstappen versus Hamilton. I have no reason to contest that. Hamilton was fucking dominant mm. in Portugal last year. I think he'll get the win as well this year. Mm-hmm. Although... A little bit tighter. Are we doing? Am I just doing the one, two, three? Yeah, I'm just looking for you to give you one, two, three right. straight up. So I've got Verstappen coming in second, uh, and Charles. He finished fourth last year. I've got him going one better. I've got the Ferrari coming in third. Charles Leclerc. That's but me. Any other little snippets of things you might think happen? Just nah, to not really. All right, Spencer. I, I've got Red Bull winning this one. I think through Max Verstappen. I believe it'll be Lewis Hamilton in second position, not to be all boring and gross. Um, and in third, I've got Charles because I think it's good man. It's just been trending this way for the first two races. I think that's going to be the most likely. But I'm more interested to see what happens in the the four to seven category and yeah. where Carlos, Danny, Rick, and Lando shape up against the Red Bull and the Mercedes, and if we can actually get them all, you know. In a good position because it seemed like Bodas even before the crash was yeah. just off last round. Oh, he was racing a Williams for fuck's sake. Yeah, which doesn't get, and I think they did that deliberately. Like I think they'd rather have the fucking Williams crash him out than have to deal with the <laughs> PR of like George Russell overtaking Bodas. All right, well I'll um to be honest, I'm just going to keep things the same. I'll take Hamilton, Verstappen, and Charles. Whoa. Um, I will say. I'm going to back in AlphaTauri to get it right this weekend and a double points finish, and they will begin to put in place the margin I'm anticipating them to finish with over Aston Martin and um, Alpine. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. I think Fair they'll enough. start they, to get that work in. Yeah. We've seen. I think, I think they're firmly the fifth fastest car on the grid, uh, possibly even faster than the Ferrari in terms of raw pace, and it's just Same. not... Were, they've just had shocking luck so far, yeah. particularly Gasly. That fight for you know P three in theory, Bottas, Perez, the two Ferraris, the two McLarens, and maybe the two AlphaTauris. Indeed, could be interesting. The thing I'm most excited for is to see Callum Eilat out there driving in an Alpha. Oh, that's Mayo. true. That is happening this week. We can't. Mm. We can't have that. He's been signed as their official reserve driver yeah, now, so probably yeah. hopefully it means a couple more sessions throughout the season, and hopefully impresses. And they go. You know what? He is better than Gio. Yes. And Kimmy. But yeah. I don't want to lose Kimmy. I'd rather lose Gio. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to lose both of them, but if I had to lose one, it's, I love him. I love his hair, but it's Gio. I hate his hair. It's disgusting. We're aware. So me and you have the exact same podium. Uh, yes. Well, it's just not the round for an exciting podium, is it? No, not really. In which case, 
I think that brings us to our last stop on this week's ride. And it is the return of Spencer and I going head to head in some Formula One trivia as um, curated for us by JBV Beats himself. JBV Beats, check out my SoundCloud. Give me the goddamn questions. Are you ready, bud? <clears throat> yes. So I've literally just found a little quiz on the F1 website. The big Formula One quiz of 2020. Okie dokie. Which driver suffered the most retirements in the 2020 season? Ooh, I'm going to put in like one of those... Uh, I'm, I've got this wrong. I don't know like the time is like the dramatic time. It's, it's just not right. I yeah, I got my answer in. Okay, so you both ready? Alright, show me both. Do you want to just 3, 2, 1 and we both just say it? Yeah, sure. Alright, 3, yeah. 2, 1. Lance Stroll. Roman Grosjean. You are both wrong! Damn it! It was Kevin Magnussen. Oh. Ah! That checks out, that checks out. With six. With I was so close. Yeah. Can, I get half, can I get half a point? Is it half a point if it's no. the same team? No, I just I just Fuck. went Lance Stroll had a massive run where he didn't score points. Surely there was a few well, DNFs. Stroll and Verstappen both DNF five times. Ah! If anyone gets the half point, it's me, mate. And Russell and Leclerc, Russell and Leclerc retired four times each. No mention of Romain Grosjean, unfortunately. <clears throat> bullshit. That is bullshit. <laughs> zero, zero, so far. Which driver raced the most laps in twenty twenty? Let or drift. Uh, raced. Just, yeah. Driven. Drove? Drove. Um, I'm just gonna... Which racer drove the most laps in 2020? No, nothing. Um... I'm just gonna play a conservative, but I doubt this is right. I'm not optimistic about this quiz, if I'm perfectly honest. It's not like I hosted a podcast on the 2020 Yeah, season. I'm ready. Ready? Alright, give me your answers now. Lewis Hamilton. Ricardo. Wrong, wrong. It was Lando Norris. Fuck! What a dog. 1,015 laps, followed by Kimi Raikkonen with 1,009. Fuck me, I was still oh, going Raikkonen because he always Raikkonen. does lots of laps. Fuck ya. Yeah. And then fuck you. Bottas and Hamilton. Yeah, and fuck Norris only Norris only retired once in um, the Eiffel Grand Prix. It's the thing with McLaren. They just don't have retirement retirements. It's insane. Alrighty. Neck and neck on zero points. All right, you won't get this. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel was spotted going for a drive with Racing Point team principal Otmar Safnauer during the Silverstone double header. According to Vettel, he was simply keen to check out Safnauer's new car. But what car was it? Now, I'm going to give you options because this is obviously quite Okay. Different. You've got an Aston Martin Valkyrie, a Mercedes AMG GT Black, an Aston Martin DB5 Goldfinger con continuation, or a Ferrari 488 Pista. Yeah, not, not huge. I reckon this is where we get some separation. You gotta keep this separated. Alright, I'm ready. Okay, what have you got? Uh, DB5. I want the Mercedes. You are both wrong. It was the Ferrari four eight. Oh, so you pizza. fucking bitch! You goddamn you're bitch! Not, I was gonna say Ferrari. I sucked Ferrari myself out. I sucked yeah. myself out. For fuck's sake! <laughs> this is bullshit. This is a fucking bullshit quiz. 
<laughs> There's got to be an investigation. Which of these drivers did not set a fastest lap in 2020? Max, George, Ricardo, Lando, Carlos, or Esteban Ocon? Like with the race or in any session? I believe race. Which of these drivers did not set a fastest lap in 2020? What were the options again, sorry? Verstappen, George, Ricardo, Norris, Sainz, and Esteban Ocon. I don't know why I call George. I like how George is on George's basis. Me and George go way back. This is... Um, it's just like there's no way... Yeah, I got mine. There's, mm. there's no way it can be George... Ro I, don't, I don't know. I just, this is what I want it to be. What have you got? I said Ocon because Ocon? it should be Ocon. Ocon. You are both correct. Yes. Yeah. He's just so shit. There's no like. There's no way George could have sent a fastest lap. I there's couldn't. even no way that Ocon ever could. No, Bahrain and the Mercedes. He finished eighth. Yes. Got the extra point. Completely the only one I wasn't about sure that. was Completely. Carlos. Because Max obviously did. Lando, last lap, Austria. Um, Ricardo, Spa. Um, Would Carlos not maybe have done it at Monza or something? Or no, Hamilton probably got that back, didn't he? <laughs> it might have been Monza because I can't think of any other race he, he would have He could have just got sat it. in, uh, might have been like just sitting in Pierre's DRS. Anyway, yes, next question. What unusual modification did Mercedes make to help George Russell fit better in Lewis Hamilton's W11 when the Brit replaced him for the Sakia Grand Prix? A, they removed the DAS system so that Russell could have his steering wheel set as far away as possible. B, they got Russell to wear size 10 racing boots rather than his usual size 11s. C, Russell raced without a seat with specially sculpted cushions to stop him moving around. Or D, Mercedes moved all the throttle and brake controls onto the steering wheel and got rid of the pedals to give Russell more legroom. We already know the answer to this one. Let's just fucking roll through. Come on. <laughs> I, I'm pretty, I've probably got it wrong. you got to write yours down then. I have. You have? So what's, what have you... Uh, I, I said it was C. It was the seat thing. The seat thing? Booties. It was the booties. The booties. Booties. The size booties, 10 booties. Yeah. Yeah. Those specially sculpted cushions do sound nice. To me. I just... Yeah, I... I have zero recollection of that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So most of this, Spencer does five minutes of research for this podcast, whereas I do none. <laughs> you do none. No, I remember them saying about that because he had a bunch of jokes about how George has a bigger dick than Lewis. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's just a motorcycle fucking... No interest in that question at all. Okay, a 20-question quiz and now an 18-question quiz. What bizarre issue contributed to Kevin Magnussen's retirement from the Emilia-Romagna Grand Prix? If I'm not remembering this correctly, I'm going to be really upset. And I'm probably Wait, there's no options for this one? No. I'll make the rule, bitch. Yes. This is pure memory on this one, Chief. It's the only thing I can think, but I don't know for sure. It was very funny watching him just sit on his car. If they wheeled him away. Do you want options? Are you desperate for options here, Spence? I, I fucking fuck him. I've ridden it down without <laughs> options. <laughs> um, Do you can remember booty fucking step <laughs> it up? Yeah, right. I'll just guess something. Fuck it. Okay. Good man. I mean, I'm probably wrong, but like. Uh... Yeah, I'm ready to go. An issue with his gearbox meant that violent upshifts gave him a severe headache. Is the correct answer? Did either of you have that? No. I had gearbox. You had gearbox. Oh. Oh. But that's not like I said. You had gearbox for a weird nice. 
I'm tempted to give him half a point. Give him half a point. That's fine. Uh, that's half a point. Half a point. Yeah, bitch. He ran over a loose drain cover. He spun off while trying to heat up his tires behind the safety car. Or his fire fire extinguisher went off after he drove over a curb. Wait. So what you said, Emiliano Romagna, didn't you? Yes. See, I was thinking Monza. Uh, where it was, wasn't it his fire extinguisher uh, in Monza? That definitely happened to him. That's time. what, okay, see, I was just Did thinking you write the Monza. I was thinking the Monza. Surely I get a half point for that. Yeah, yeah. You said, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't. I was thinking Monza, and I was like, yeah, it was his fire extinguisher, wasn't it? Yeah. I, didn't even, I couldn't even tell you retired from fucking Imola. Which one of these races had the fewest classified finishes in 2020? The Tuscan Grand Prix, the British Grand Prix, the Eiffel Grand Prix, or the Emilia Romagna Grand Prix? That's what were the first two options? Tuscan, so Magellan. Oh, this is this is got this has got to be a knockout. And British, which I believe was the first of the two, was this was this anniversary the first one or the second one? I can't remember. Oh, I think it was. Pretty sure this is a standard. So I just instantly write down Austrian because I know only eleven guys finished, oh, yeah, and then that wasn't an option. <laughs> <laughs> and I was fair enough because it would have been a shit question if it was. Yeah. All right. Are you guys, boys both ready? Yeah. What do you got? Surely it was the Tuscan. Okay. Tuscan. Yeah. Everybody see. crashed. The Tuscan Grand Prix. Everybody crashed. Yeah. So 12 finishes, 13 in Austria, 15 <clears> in Nürburgring, and 15 in Imola. But yeah, 12 finishes were the least for the season. How many different nationalities were represented on the 20 car grid for the season opening Austrian Grand Prix? <sighs> Is there options, or do we just have to think it through? You can give us time. There to... are options. Are you... No, no, no. I'm happy to think it through. You can give us time to think it through. I won't give you time. You can take as long as you like. I think I'm good. Oh, I'm I think I'm good. So fuck you. What are your thoughts on Luke Thompson, Spencer? He's pretty good. Hey, don't you fucking don't you fucking distract <laughs> me now, you bitch. All right then, bud. All right, I've got one. Yeah, no, I'm good. I got it. All right, I got it too. So, should we, do, should we do this as a 3, 2, 1 again? Yeah. 3, 2, 1. 14. Later. 13. Well, 13 isn't an option, so unlucky. It's 14, been. isn't it? It is 14. It's, it's British, Finnish, Dutch, Thai, Spanish, Canadian, Mexican, German, Monica. Ah, Carlos, you cunt. <laughs> Wait, we've got Carlos. Carlos is what you France, Australian, Russian, Italian, and Danish. Yeah, we get it. Next I question. Sure Next you question. Like written down Leclerc as French or something. Look, I just wrote down, no, wrote down, went through the teams, writing down each nationality, and put a dash if it was the same as someone else's. Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. He's back in the game. He's only half a point Kindergarten. Not one, but two Japanese drivers ran for Alpha Tower at the Abu Dhabi Young Driver Test. One of them was Yuki Tsunoda. Who was the other one? There's only one other Japanese driver that I currently know of. Nobuharu Matsushita, Naoki Yamamoto, Marino Sato, or Ryo Hirakawa. Oh yeah, no, I'm oh, good. You good? Yeah, let's go. Let's rock this <laughs> shit. You know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be. I'm pretty. Sure, I'm. I've outsmarted. I think I've outsmarted myself. Okay, what have we got? Three, two, one, go. Sato. I said Sato too. You are both correct. It was Marino. Sato. I was going to say because I was like Matsushita was out of F two, but Sato was still in F two. Didn't outsmart myself. Did you just write that because he's like he's got the same name as Takuma Sato Spencer, or 
Yes. Fair <laughs> enough. I like that. That's a 17. Daniel Ricciardo paid tribute to which of these sports persons with a special helmet design in 2020? A, Kobe Bryant, B, Diego Maradona, C, Chris Amon, or D, Dale Earnhardt? Two options. Well, there's only one right answer in my heart, so if it's, it's not funny because the one right answer in my heart is off. actually different to the one in Spencer's. Um, have different hearts. It's a 50 50 question. Mm. I'm going to play it space safe and I think take the answer, but I'm pretty sure Spencer's also going to say. Mm. Alright, three, two, one. Kobe. Kobe. Bryant, yes, indeed. Yeah. With the purple helmet. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, okay, that's what he did. I was going to say, I don't, I would have, I'm pretty sure I would have remembered if in season he'd run a Dale Earnhardt helmet. Doesn't need one. to. He pays tribute to him every week with the car number three. Yeah, fuck. Despite 2020 running to just 17 races, Lewis Hamilton still managed to win 11 of them. In which season did Hamilton last fail to reach double digits for victories? You got 2019, 2017, 2013, or 2011. So 19, 17, 13, or 11. Yes. The last time Hamilton failed to reach double-digit victories. Well, it's either really fucking obvious or it's a trick question. It's going to take really fucking obvious. Wait. Sixty-six percent of people got this wrong. So what were the years again? Sorry. Eleven, thirteen, seventeen, nineteen. Was seventeen the year that Metal nearly got him? No, I wasn't. It was, that, wasn't I because I was thinking that was sixteen, but. You might be right. Yeah, nah. I'm locking mine yeah, in, Eddie. Three, two, one. Seventeen. Seventeen. You are both correct. It was twenty seventeen. Yeah. I initially I was there, and then when she said that, yeah. I was like, yeah, the he would have had what? He would have had like yeah, eight or nine or something. Because it was the year right? that Battle won all the ones in the first half nine, of the season. Yeah. yeah. So I was going to say, I, I was just too obvious because obviously it's thirteen because that was the last year of Red Bull dominance. Mm. Yeah. Um, what score are you both on, fellas? I'm on six. And Spence? Should be on six and a half. Six and a half. She's a bit tight. This is an easy one. Which driver said this during a race in 2020? Did you hydrate during the race? You must have some sweaty hands as well, so don't forget to sanitize. Do you both have the answer? No. No? Probably. I think he's bluffing. You think he's bluffing? Is he being sarcastic? Are you being sarcastic, Spencer? Nah, I'll, I'll guess. I've got my guess ready. All right. Uh, hit me. What have you got? Uh, three, two, one, or? Three, two, one. Max? Jean-Eric Verne's least favourite driver, Max Verstappen. You are both correct. It was Max Verstappen at the second oh, anniversary God. Grand Prix. <laughs> oh, thank God. Yes, so the 70th came first because that was the boring one where he didn't have anything to do. Yeah, yeah. You've got to hydrate. 
Well, they've attached the fucking YouTube clip to it. That's nice. You love that. All right. I spent most of that question trying to think of a good swerve for someone that doesn't like Max Verstappen. Oh, my goodness. 2020 saw returns to Istanbul Park for the first time since 2011 and the Nürburgring mm. for the first time since 2013. It's going to ask us the last race winners there, wasn't it? In Isn't the case it? of both venues, what was the last driver-slash-team pairing to win there in Formula 1? Is it the same pairing? Yes, for both. Fernando Alonso for Ferrari, Jensen Button for McLaren, Sebastian Vettel for Red Bull, or Mark <laughs> Webber for Red Bull? Wait, what is? Are those four options or two options? Four options. You just got to pick basically which driver won no. those two last time. Nurburgring twenty thirteen. Right. So I got to make. So I got to guess two things. Well, no, it's, it's, it's one the one driver. pairing. We like. There's, he's given four driver options paired with four team options. You just need to guess the driver. Yeah. The team self explanatory. Which driver was the last guy oh, to win fuck. in Nurburgring and? Istanbul. When when did you say the last time the Nurburgring was? Twenty thirteen in Istanbul twenty eleven. I'm remembering in the wrong order. Were they both 2013? I got, I got my guess. Tick tock, tick fuck. Yeah, I've got, a, I've got a guess. I've got a guess. I've got a guess. I'm going to kick myself if it's my first instinct. Three, two, one. Seb? You got Seb? Fernando? Sebastian Vettel is the correct Yes! Answer. Fuck, I nearly killed myself because I... Nah, bullshit. I know, <laughs> I know Weathers won a nah. ring, and so I went that, and then I was like, no, that was early in his win streak, not late. No. No, Stop that's bullshit. That. That's a fucking stupid that. question. Ugh. Nah. Nah, that's garbage. Mm. Oh, that's literally fucking just garbage. a Doc's question. Like, we can skip over that. Give me more fucking boot questions. <laughs> fuck yeah. Which two of these records were genuinely broken in 2020? Okay, stick, stick with me here, fellas. Highest number of maiden victories in a season, highest number of starts before taking victory, most different podium finishes in a season, most consecutive Grands Prix in which Constructor led at least one lap, shortest season in terms of days between the first and last race. Which one of these was or wasn't? Which two of these records were genuinely broken? So two of them, you're going to pick two of them. Can you go through them again? Highest number of maiden victories in a season. Highest number of starts before taking victory. Most different podium finishes in a season. Most consecutive Grands Prix in which a constructor led at least one lap. And shortest season in terms of days between the first and last race. Okay, I think I've got at least half a point. But I'm pretty sure Spence will have the half point too. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm going to give mm, one point for each one you get correct. That's a weird way to do it, but carry on. Three, two, one. Hit me. Consecutive constructors lapse led in the shortest season. All right, well, we definitely at least got one point, I think. Um, podiums and starts. Um, it is starts and consecutive Grands Prix in which constructor led at least We each get one point. Yes, indeed. I was going to say, because I, I almost didn't, and then I was like, wait, Sergio Perez was one of the first-time victors, and yes. he's been in Formula 1 for fucking forever. Yes. And he's been in he's been, he's been been in oh, Formula 1 in the era where that. Formula 1's had a fuck-ton of races. So he's had 20 races. It took him over a decade at 20 races a season. It was just that <laughs> unmemorable a moment to me fuck that off, I mate. forgot Honestly. about it. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I hope the Mexican cartels come from. Spare me. Oh, yeah. Perez broke Mark Webber's record. Yeah, I was going to say Webber was the previous holder. 190th start. Webber took 130 starts to win. Oh, fucking get in there, Mark. Yeah. Okay, what was special about Lando Norris's helmet for the British Grand Prix? This is a bit of a... Oh, that's easy. Down, but, uh, yeah, what have you got? I wrote child because you wrote child. A child. A, ch a child drew his helmet, designed his Spencer. helmet. I wrote some dumb kid drawing it. <laughs> it was designed by a six-year-old, Eva Muffin. There you go. Oh my god, child. If I was her parents, I'd steer her away from her career in art. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> right now. Six years old? Okay, this is the last question. Going to steer Spencer away from her career in uh, parenthood. <laughs> what, are, oh, what, are, what are the point tallies here, fellas? Last question. Uh, I've got two, four, six, eight, ten. Ten? I and believe Spencer has nine and a half. Um, yes. Yes, I do. All righty. It all comes down to this. Which of these was the first Grand Prix of 2020 to have fans in the stands? The British Grand Prix, the Eiffel Grand Prix, the Tuscan Grand Prix, or the Sakia Grand Prix? Wait. Say those again. British, Eiffel, Tuscan, Sakia. Wait, you know what? I'm still... You ready, Spency? I've already got my. I had my answers right. from the moment you said them. What you got? From the moment you said Three, them. But what do you got two, here? One. Oh, I'll tell you yours first because I reckon. Sakir Grand Prix. I said Sakir as well. Ah, you're both it's wrong. Tuscan, wasn't it was it? Tuscany. It was Tuscan. It was oh, fucking well. Tuscany. I played it safe and I took the job. No, I'm yeah, out. No, I, I said Tuscan. I win. No, you didn't. I did. <laughs> Oh, oh did you cunt? <laughs> this fucking guy. This oh, fuck fucking off. Guy. There's a reason I made him say first because. <laughs> fuck I... off. Nah, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Honestly. Oh, I have to roll the tapes. Yeah, roll the... How do I know the fucking you're not looking at the answers, you fuck? He's I not. I should have. I should have cheated on more of my answers. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that two from two for you? Uh, yes. King. Well, there I'm we just going to send it. Spencer a passive-aggressive Snapchat for, to boot. Okay. Good tight trivia, though, fellas. Good it's tight trivia. Um, right. So, uh, I continue. That's, that's four straight trivias I've won now. Two in this and, uh, two oops trivias. Oh, a bit right. Bit of a okay. trivia king. Oh, oops trivias. Not bad. Shout out to University of Queensland. Indeed. Hey. The sandstone capital of Queensland, I suppose. Probably the world. I, Probably. I hate you both. <laughs> yeah, well, feeling's mutual, buddy. Feeling is mutual. Oh, I like you, Spencer. You're a nice guy. I mean, his charisma holds the podcast together. <laughs> My research holds the podcast together. Thank you very much. I think your mother said it was Spencer's charisma. Just wrap it up here, Chieftain. Uh, well, that does it for a, another episode, I believe. Hopefully it's not too bad of a race. Um, and regardless of whether or not it is, we'll be back more or less the same time next week for a review of the Portuguese Grand Prix sponsored by Heineken. <laughs> um, and until then, I've been Matt. He's been Jashan. Amen. Spencer's annoyed at the world. I did a shit job. I did a shit job. 
And we have been Rear of the Grid. I'm just trying to think of the name. I don't even know if it's the right name. Is it Pterodactyl or something like that? It'll be a. Is that the flying dinosaur? It's right? Oh, yeah, that's the one I'd want to be. Then I can see I'd rather want to go back to the dinosaur era. <laughs> or a T Rex. <laughs> My eyes would be too small. <laughs>